Almost two years ago, one of our Jewish youth organizations had its website hacked and anti-Israel propaganda posted on it. A few years prior to that, a website of a Jewish financial consulting company was also hacked and violent wording and graphic pictures were accompanied by slogans. How vulnerable are we as a community to this kind of harassment and can it be prevented? Dave Nell is the co-founder of Tangent Solutions, a newly established company that takes an innovative approach to software design. He joins me now to share his expertise on the topic. Dave, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Dave, tell me a little bit about your company, Tangent Solutions. Uh, Tangent Solutions is a cloud-first software development company. So we develop um, web applications and mobile applications, and then we uh, deploy those solutions onto the cloud, our cloud of choice being the Microsoft Azure cloud. Can you just go back a little step and talk to me about cloud data being stored on clouds? What actually does that mean? Effectively, the cloud is a major collection of compute capability and storage capability provided by major tech providers. Currently, it's effectively a two-horse race, being Amazon and Microsoft. So when one says one's deploying a workload to the cloud, you're saying, I'm deploying my workload to leverage the storage and compute of these major tech providers. Right. So with regard to accessing information, if your information is on the cloud, does that mean it's secure? It is secure as you make it. So in the same way, you could say, if I live in a house, am I secure? Um, No, not necessarily if you don't close your windows and lock your doors or have an alarm system or a guard dog. So the cloud is very much a platform that you will utilize in a way that you want. So while the cloud does give you the ability and the tools to make your environment a lot more secure than it would normally be so, um, it is up to you to secure it. Now, let's talk practically, right? We have all organizations, individuals have their own Facebook and websites. What 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 is your recommendation? Well, firstly, is everybody equally vulnerable to hackers? Yes. So I think one has to kind of think of hacking not as one sees it in the movies. It's a okay. lot more intricate, uh, a lot more soft engineering as well. So speaking of, you used the example of Facebook, many people will divulge life secrets about themselves through an online platform, being that they have dogs and they love their dog Pookie, right. for example. And quite often, due to human nature, people will then use Pookie's birthday as their password. So a lot of soft hacks go involved into hacking. And then once the the hackers have access through soft engineering, being your personal vulnerabilities, as opposed to the vulnerabilities of the cloud or the technology, they then can leverage that. Who are hackers? Generally, well, we've got a few countries that are being sponsored in hacking. Uh, by their governments, um, but generally it's just your average Joe criminal. As the world gets more and more digital, it's inevitable that statistically we are going to increase in the counts of, of cybercrime. If you think of we're completely saturated with technology, therefore our criminals are also going to be saturated with technology. So it's not politically motivated, but you say the government's sponsoring hackers? What does that mean? So, you know, again, it's, um, you know, there's well-documented evidence that North Korea you, does okay, all Okay, I was going to say, you're not going to mention any names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Oops. yeah uh, that, um, you know, some governments out there have uh, 
um, you know, fund themselves through through hacking as well as um, you know through ransomware, um, through the leveraging of cryptocurrency like the dark web. Um, one is able to exchange in a way or exchange money with your victims in a way that makes it very difficult to identify the track or the hacker and actually take them to to justice. Okay, we're going to come into kind of what do you do if your site is hacked. But before then, I'm just I'm seriously trying to understand kind of the complexities of this. And what you say makes such sense. You know, obviously, you know, as technology moves, so our criminals become even more technologically advanced than what we do. Is it um, information that they seek? Is it uh, what? What are they? Uh, the criminal element of this. What are they seeking? So more often than not, uh, a criminal hack, especially on you as an individual, is most likely not going to be targeting you. Um, your um, cash reserves as an individual are quite finite, quite limited. But what is happening now is that hackers hack the people as opposed to the system. So, for example, you could be a contractor for a big corporate. You have access to their data. You have access to their technology. They're not necessarily applying best practices and security. You're not applying personal best practice. So your password, say, for your Facebook account or your um, social media accounts across the board, across whatever websites you register, is the same password. Then you use the same password to access your work environment. So by accessing you they begin to access the corporate environment. Dave, in terms of information, surely we're looking at people wanting access to information, our ID numbers, our postal addresses. Is that also just part of that criminal element? Well, yes and no. Sometimes as a company providing a technological service, they have a legitimate requirement for that information. You know, online shopping being a good example of that. Um, they do want to validate that you are an actual individual, hence they might ask for your ID number. Um, they themselves are also victim to cybercrime, so they want to validate their customer as much as humanly possible. But unfortunately, when you unload those personal information to that corporation, you're relying on them to store your data securely. You're relying on the security of their system to protect your personal information. And so it really takes a lot of trust to start sharing that information and also requires the corporate to look quite closely at themselves and to make sure that they're treating their customers' data with the sanctity that they should. And, of course, they don't because recently we had this huge big scandal where everybody's personal details were accessed via hacking on a major site. That's correct, yes. And, um, you know, to, to an extent, that's not necessarily due to complete gross negligence, but you have to look at negligence there. The tools are out there for corporates to protect themselves. It's an ongoing, evolving battle. You can't just say, because I'm safe today, I was safe last year, I'm safe tomorrow. It is a threat landscape that is changing continuously. And you also spoke about the dark web. Yes. Um, Are people monitoring the dark web? I mean, the goodies monitoring the dark web. Well, I think that's the very nature of the dark web makes it more difficult to monitor. But, yes, they are monitoring it. Because terrible things happen on the dark web, Yes, too. 100%. And, and everybody knows it exists. Correct. Um, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll hear of um, soft hacks in the way that the, the organizations that, that police these spaces do in turn to, to arrest people that participate on those spaces. Again, they use the same tricks. They'll do a soft engineering uh, well, they'll trick the person into divulging some level of information so they'll be able to find out where they live so they can arrest them. But, I mean, that's, you know, sort of enters the 
the controversy of cryptocurrency in that um, it's very difficult to trace. Um, it's very difficult to shut down. So it's being used quite liberally to fuel financial spend in the dark web and criminal activities. It's so scary. I mean, but in, in that way, hacking would be good. If somebody hacked the dark web and yes. uncovered it, we could use hacking for a positive reason. Yes. I mean, hacking is both used positively and negatively. Um, you know, security experts that look for vulnerabilities are hacking your website. They're protecting you. So it's not necessarily a bad skill. You know, um, it's how you use that skill, as all things are in life. You know. Dave, in terms of our community and um, kind of, do you think Jewish um, websites are more vulnerable for political gain? I think the nature of the Jewish community is that they are high profile. Um, they are potentially more vulnerable than other communities. Um, but I think by following some level of best practice, they, you can protect yourselves with little effort, at least on an online space. I think that there, there's more than sufficient technology to ensure the hacks that you mentioned don't happen again. And what, what would you recommend other than contact tangent solutions? <laughs> well, yes, uh, contact tangent solutions. Um, I, I would say, look, you need to, first and foremost, you, I'm a big believer in the public cloud. Okay. Um, I think people that are hosting their own data centers are brave. Um, I think they've probably spending money they don't need to spend. Um, I would strongly recommend going onto the public cloud. I would strongly recommend implementing cloud software that protects you in terms of um, firewalls and that type of technology. And, um, and then deploying systems that effectively monitor and ensure that you are applying best practices in your online environment. Do you think most people kind of think that far? I mean, I just think as an individual, I would think, why would I be targeted and um, surely what I have is sufficient. Yeah, and I think we can pretty conclusively say that it's not. Um, I think that it also comes back to my earlier point that the world's changing. In the same way that um, we lock our cars, in the same way that when we drive away our car locks automatically, or you might, for instance, wind up your window at a robot, we need to take the same diligence in the online space. The world is changing. It is becoming digital so that means our perspective on securing ourselves in a digital space must be the same. If your site is hacked, what is the next step? Well, you need to determine, firstly, what's the level of damage. Um, if it's a, a content site, um, say, for instance, you're displaying information or um, you're not really storing any, any data, especially customer data or personal information data, the best thing to do would just to be um, to restore your website. Okay. Um, you would know immediately if you'd been hacked. Yes. Uh, but it wouldn't well, always be obvious with no. anti-Semitic sl uh, slogans. Yes. No, no. So you definitely wouldn't know immediately. You wouldn't? No. So it depends on what they're trying to achieve. So generally when you're hacked, that is a stage in, in the attack. So they could be hacking you. They have access to your environment. And then they're only going to start deploying workloads that start stealing information. So you could already be hacked and not know about it. So effectively, we look for signatures in the way people start to attack your website. We look in terms of signatures, in terms of what scripts and code is running on your system and try to track those anomalies. And then um, when would you know? When would you actually, when will the penny drop? 
if you're not being proactive, the penny's going to drop once the damage is done. So it's it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. And and then what do you do? Can you ever get back your identity? Well, Yes, yeah, so again, it comes to the nature of what they're trying to achieve. I mean, if it's a ransomware, chances are you'll be contacted. And, um, Boy, that's horrifying, <laughs> yes. And this happens in your environment? Yes, yeah. So these are examples that, uh, that you've... Um, Correct, yes. Um, thankfully, it's, we've managed to secure our business, but we advise and, and protect people on stopping it from happening to them. And um, if... There is an obvious hacker. Is it even possible? I mean, just looking on social media, we were speaking a couple of weeks ago about trolling, people who troll you on social media. You don't know the identity of who it is. So they can continue trolling and they can reinvent themselves as many times as they want in order to get to you. Yes. So you can block somebody, but it's fine. They can reinvent themselves with something else and continue doing the same thing. Is it the same... In terms of sorry, I'm uh, in, in terms of once you've sort of uh, been hacked, you're going to get hacked again. Yes. Well, I think that's going to happen if you don't protect yourself. Um, if you get hacked and be, you know, suffer the damages and you don't deploy the guard dog or the electric fence. Yeah. So, and I think my point was: mm. can you ever find the person hacking you? Can it, can a person who commits that kind of crime ever be brought to book? They can, yes, but chances are Zero. You, you're not going to bring them to book. Um, there are active hackers in South Africa, but chances are you're going to get hacked from overseas. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Well, it's just the, you know, it's the nature of the world. Um, there's active people that are, you know, we, we find quite a lot happened in um, Asian countries. We've um, had quite a lot of attacks from um, the Americas. Um, so... You know, South African, we find when people try to actively hack in, uh, in South Africa that they're not necessarily as sophisticated. Hmm. Um, and we can hand the data over to the police and ask them to carry it on further. But if you're hacked by someone in, um, say, Budapest... Um, There's nothing. You know, good luck no asking recourse. the SAPS to yeah. carry that forward. So the best thing is to shut down, reopen, secure your data. Correct. And how do you see this going forward? I think, as I mentioned earlier, is that people really need to start taking personal responsibility and then taking that personal responsibility and, and ensuring that the companies that they work for and the corporates themselves start taking that responsibility and taking that um, technological burden a lot more seriously. Um, one can't shy away from the cost of doing these things, unfortunately, um, but what is the cost of doing business, for example? Mm. Um, it has to be brought into your business model. It's a cost that you can't ignore and you have to invest to protect yourself. I am talking to Dave Nell, who is the co-founder of Tangent Solutions, a newly established company that takes an innovative approach to software design. Dave, how in a technical environment in which we live, people kind of have access to everything and anything you do. Is that correct? I think if you think of... The best example of that would be the services we use or the services we consume. Um, one of the things we really need to take note of is the apps and how they use their data and how they start collecting that data. So I would say the greater public does not necessarily know, but the services that you consume will know a lot more in depth about what you're doing. 
So, I mean, I don't want to kind of dissuade people from using any certain ones of their apps, but there are apps that we use that will allow somebody out there who has the access to the app know exactly where we are. Taking a photo, if I take a photo and place it on Twitter or Facebook, people sh- theoretically could know exactly where I am at that moment. Exactly right. And that comes down to the personal responsibility of what information that you're sharing. Um, some platforms or mobile phones are quite tight on making sure that only information is shared when you want it to be shared. But then very often as consumers, we'll just click straight through those permissions without really paying attention to what it's asking me. Um, you know, a good example would uh, be a certain politician that was uh, tweeted from Dubai recently, <laughs> um, shared information he wasn't intending to share. Right. Um, and um, that's a very avoidable scenario. When I go into a shopping center, my phone will alert me to say, you have just been there. Uh, would you like to rate it? Or you've taken a photo over there. Um, I don't think twice about it. I kind of delete and move on. But clearly somebody else might be thinking about it. Yes. So I think there it comes to the fact that you're handing over your data to a company. You're believing that they're secure. Um, We've found in very recent history that these big corporates and small corporates are not as secure as they claim to be. And that's where the great risk comes to to your personal data. Um, You know, I'm a big consumer of um, Uber. Uh, Uber was um, hacked, I think it was about 18 months ago. So a lot of my movements would have been available to the hackers. Um, And that then exposes you to what they call spear phishing. So um, phishing is where you get an email where it's, you know, hi, I'm a prince and I've got my money and I want to give you my money. Um, You know, the success rate of a phishing attack is, is quite low. Um, you also have, you know, a, a, a very clumsily made email to look like your banking email where they ask you to click. That's very low chance of success emails or phishing attacks. It's spray and pray. Statistically, one in a million people right. will click. A spear phishing is dedicated towards you. It's targeted at you. So using the data that they have on you, they can say, well, we saw you at pick and pay. Don't you want to please log into this portal and give us a review on um, the pick and pay in your area. You were there on Tuesday and you were there at this time. You see it as a pick and pay email. Right. Your mind blocks out the obvious details that will enable you to pick it up as a phishing attack and then you provide personal information. Chances are they're going to ask you to log in and then you're going to use the same password that's your banking password because that is human nature and suddenly you've handed them information that enables them to do the true hack. So what, as individuals, should we be doing? Again, comes down to personal responsibility, not sharing information that you're not supposed to share. Don't just liberally click, lead, read the warnings that um, you are presented with, and then um, be, be vigilant. In terms of enable location, I use GPS a lot. I have to say I'm especially very needy or something that helps me guide and I've become quite reliant on it. But the minute your location on your cell phone is on, anybody can track you. Is that correct? No, that data is going to the tech provider. Okay. So you would need to share that. So that is fine. I can keep my location on my phone on. I shouldn't just so that I can use my GPS. Yes. It's but it's n- the nature of how that data is being used on the other side. Which So no one can... In- intercept that. No one can intercept well, that. Well, they can intercept that if the technology platform that you're using is not built to be secure. So, again, you need to 
either be more diligent in the apps that you use or uh, just to or, or be comfortable in the fact that you are inherently going to be exposing yourself. Dave, your job is to advise people on how to do these kinds of things. Would you ever say to somebody, don't use an app for a certain thing? I would because say... Because they know where you're getting on and where you're getting off in terms of, say, Uber. Correct. Um, I wouldn't say avoid the big tech providers. I think you need to question and be a bit more diligent on the apps that one installs, not just to willy-nilly click things. Be very cautious of clickbait. Uh, but, but bigger or bigger companies? Yeah, I would say at the end of the day, um, you want to participate in this digital environment. Yes. You cannot participate without handing over your data. Um, you, But you have to create an ecosystem that protects yourself. So, um, yes, for instance, someone might pick up your movements, but if you are using a different password for every single website that you visit, you're beginning to cover your tracks. You're beginning to secure yourself. And then I think my last question to you is, we talk about this as if kind of the people out, well, there are, the people out there. Does a hack always have to be malicious? You know, somebody was just saying, my colleague was just saying to me, a friend of his Twitter account was hacked by somebody in Asia, I think it was. Um, here is an individual minding his own business and the next thing, he's hacked. Why? Some hackers will just hack you for fun. Um... They're just flexing their muscles. They're training themselves potentially for bigger hacks. Or alternatively, they just enjoy it. Is it just a random thing? You just happen to be that person? Pretty much. So, I mean, there's no need to be paranoid. There's no need to be desperately paranoid. Desperately paranoid. (laughs) A little bit paranoid. A little bit of paranoia is not a bad thing. Um, But again, for example, if they've hacked your Twitter account and they've gotten access to your password, um, there might be uh, further intentions it could be just a thing to say, look, I was here, you need to pull up your socks. So it could be, yeah. So so the, basically what you're saying is be really, really cautious and be aware, very aware of everything you do and say, but don't be overly paranoid in terms of the technical world. Exactly. I and mean, at the end of the day, the world is changing. One wants to participate in it. Um, and that involves data. Maybe you can just give out some contact details if anybody would like to um, be in touch with you. Yeah, so the easiest way to get a hold of us is through our website. So it's tangentsolutions.co.za. Alternatively, you can email me on dave, D-A-V-E, at tangentsolutions.co.za. Great. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.